0: Yeah, um, you can probably edit this out, but does Corb ask questions too? Or does this come from you? Like, do I talk to Corb too?
1: You can. I, I usually ask, like, no. one question at the end, but
0: oh, okay. not really. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, back to the program.
2: Um, it would be nice if, but, you, well, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Talk if to you listen much? to a It'd be podcast, nice. you wouldn't.
1: be nice to throw something my way.
2: If you listen to a podcast, you would know. Wow, did you hear that I voice track? That'd be nice. I know, right? <laughs> I'm five, six and a half. Um. I bought you
0: a CD player, okay? Because this guy, his girlfriend at the time, who was supposed to move out and end up living all year with us. That was cool. Because they...
2: <laughs> this guy would Definitely go through. that part out, Corpse. <laughs> yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Hoops Journey. Uh, I don't have many words to describe our next guest. Uh, This is a gentleman I've known for a super long period of my life. Uh, We were both in each other's wedding parties. Uh, He was my roommate at the uh, University of Brandon for, I think, four years somehow. Uh, He is now the head coach of the men's basketball team at Brandon University. And we are thrilled to have Gil Chung on for episode 13. How are you over over there, coach?
0: We're doing all right. Uh, I'm getting hit with another huge storm right now, but uh, I'm looking forward to talking some basketball, something about life with you guys, and uh, meeting my boy Corb over there too.
2: (laughs) Corb's with the early shout-out. you got to love it. Already, yes. Real early. How how has COVID life been? Obviously, you know, your wife is... uh, an administrator and you got two two young guys running around the house and you're still trying to get recruiting and stay in touch with your guys talk a little bit about what that's been like for your family and then your work life and how you've been trying to balance it all
0: uh that's a legit question it's uh it's challenging at times because you know everyone's setting their routines like i'm, I'm used to taking the kids walk to school and then some days it's long story but every other day tate's got kindergarten so i'll drop off at daycare Head to work, I check my emails, get some work done, I get a lift in, work out the guys, and then all of a sudden, you know, everything's changed. Uh, I love the extra time I have with the boys, but you know, I think the the biggest thing was, you know, you hear parents stressing all the time about, oh, they're falling behind, or we didn't get this done or that done. You know what? Some days they were great academically. Some days it was like it was nice out, go bike ride and we can't bike ride anymore. Some days I'm pissy, I might like, play Fortnite until your eyes start getting crossed, and, and watch as much YouTube as you can. So, it, honestly, it was just picking your battles. But uh, I honestly did not find it that difficult at times. I thought the social interaction was, was tough, but in Brandon, uh, especially out here, it was just it, it wasn't that noticeable. Yeah, we know the whole social distancing and at the grocery store and stuff, and parks were shut down. But it, you know, I don't know how many cases we had, but I think it might have been six deaths, seven deaths so far. So. Hmm. I don't know. It, it, it was a challenge at times, but uh, uh, I think it was more uh, work-wise was a bigger challenge.
2: Yeah. And so what was the challenge work-wise just because do a lot of the guys stick around in the off season? Are they heading back to, to their home cities or what What happens there? Obviously, they can't get in the gym if they are. So how did you manage all that? For sure. So we our, our strength and conditioning coach did a real good job that
0: right away he came up with home workouts that we've sent off to all our recruits, uh, all the kids that have signed uh, the returning players as well. Um, but the, the biggest challenge, like you said, is just depends who has what, you know, so I have kids in New York who are in, you know, two bedroom apartments with four people, kids in Edmonton that have a waiver room in their place. You know, it's, uh, it, it's it was definitely a challenge that way. Um, and just, you know, trying to make sure that everyone's on the same page and try to get motivated because uh, with the, the way that U Sports has talked about not starting till January first, and then you know the season's kind of in limbo here. Uh, it's just hard to get motivated as a as a coach sometimes, some days, and the level of urgency I think uh, to get the guys working, saying, "Hey, it, it's a condensed season, it's a modified season, but you know, it's a great year for development." But at the same time, it's uh, brand new for all.
2: Yeah, for sure, and and like. I think the challenge too is like believing it yourself too. Cause in the back of your mind, you're thinking the season could be done and you're trying to motivate these guys. And you know what we were like at that age, you know what I mean? So it's, it's a oh, tough thing, sure. but I, I think, you know, you're obviously an energetic dude and I'm sure the kids loved having you around your little guys loved having you around and throwing pitches and playing golf and whatever else, keeping them busy. So, um, yeah, it was, you need, it was, it was you great. need just as much activity. So,
0: no i know and let's be honest they, they were keeping me occupied most of the time but i did not play any video games so i'll, I'll be honest with that but like you were saying with with our athletes it's it's tough it's just they, like you said like i said it's just we don't know exactly what's going to happen and you know i think you know, U sports that october 8th i believe they were going to make a decision about having a year at all but you know school usually starts what september 6th or so and taking a year-long lease when, you know, you don't have to be here for classes. And and that's a big investment. If you're not going to play games, and I'm asking kids to come back, Montreal, Toronto, New Jersey, to take a rent out of place for a year, uh, pay 500 bucks a month for rent, and then there not be a season. It's it's quite a big commitment financially when, when summer kids are on financial aid as well. So it's, uh, it's not ideal for anybody right now. So, you know, we play one day at a time, and then hopefully we can get things, you know, close to normal as possible
2: for sure that's all i think we can do
0: yeah that sounded professional didn't it
2: thanks for the answer was very well done yeah 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 Yeah, i mean uh, you don't have me fooled but you maybe have uh maybe that's the seven (laughs) listeners right now fooled so um (laughs) let's take it back to uh you know you're someone obviously you know you're a good friend of mine but someone who has a very storied past in terms of uh, your basketball history and, and basketball has meant a lot to you and it's basically got you to where you are now um so i think you have an important story to share and um that's kind of the purpose of the podcast is just allowing people because we're just we don't really spend a lot of time talking about ourselves and you like Mm -hmm. to crack jokes and and have fun but you're never telling people about you know oh, high school or you know your college path so what what was a young gil chung like and and you know was he into sports what did he do um what was his upbringing like just give us a little bit of background on you as, as a young one
0: Oh, uh, grew up in right by Killarney on East 46. That's where I grew up. Parents own a barbershop or owned a barbershop on East 49th and Victoria. There, uh, don't speak English. Uh, to this day, they don't speak English. They can't read, can't write. I still remember as a kid, probably like grade three, you could barely read and dad would get like a Petro Canada card and it'd come in the mail and he'd be like, what does this say? And I'm trying to read it. It's just like, petrol points nothing i'm trying to skim through it and he'd be like well can you tell me what it said i'm like "Dad, it's like literally nothing oh so you're uh, you're smarter than me now because you can read and i'm like well this is awkward um my fault because i can it can read and kind of figure things out but it was uh i wouldn't change my childhood it was it was great i had a great older brother uh older sister but growing up we played badminton i'm a former national badminton champion uh, if this was a legit podcast. You'd have a fake applause in the background
1: right now.
2: Me mm-hmm. and my boy Ford added that in. Um, oh yeah, we don't we have any, those things live. Much. Yeah, <laughs> this, is, this is what he does, man. This is not like live. He doesn't have. Okay. This is not Tim and Sid, man. Like do-do-do. like just. Oh, we'll get that. Is not the,
0: Is it the steam room? No, I like the steam room. Um, <laughs> but I was a I was a badminton champion. Um, that's what I played, and then I moved to Richmond in grade five. Uh, and then right in grade five, I started playing basketball and I still kept on playing badminton uh, and won a national championship when I was 14. But uh, I think the basketball journey wise was just always being lucky, having good friends around and then having coaches that more than anything else opened the gym. I remember Mike, Mr. McCabe, Mike McCabe was my grade five teacher and he would open up the gym after schools every single day. And you know, you have a group of four or five friends. That's all you did. You just played basketball and played basketball, and then moved on to junior high at, at Palmer, and those was a very strong basketball program at the time. With Butch Gaten, who was actually a, a Brandon University alum, uh, was my coach there, and and Jason Leslie, who was a was an I believe an All Canadian at uh, UBC as well. So those were my first two coaches in in high school, and then uh, went on to Richmond High in grades for grades 12. and uh, probably the best. Uh, well, I would say one of the best high school coaches. Ever in Canada, and same thing. Like, he was always there for us, Coach Dizgrove, and and the gym was always open. and And I think the biggest thing when we talk about basketball is just having that group of friends. That's all you did. I I, I, I can't explain that enough. Is that uh, one of my good friends, Pasha Baines, out there? Is uh, like I don't know how you recreate that. It's just what we did was basketball. Like you go in the gym, and that's all you did. You went in the morning, and you played, shoot, play one on one, play two on two, whatever it is. But uh, I think I was lucky enough to have uh, great coaches all the time that would always have the gym open. But, you know, basketball's changed a lot since us growing up. I remember playing for Team Excel. That was the greatest thing in the world. And now there's a million club teams out there, and, and everyone's trying to do their own thing. But I remember growing up, it was making a provincial team. You know what I'm talking about, Mitch. You remember you used to get those provincial mm-hmm. team jackets? And that was, like, the coolest thing in the world. You wear that... It'd be, you'd be shirt and tie, but you'd wear that provincial team jacket over top because everyone would know there's 12 kids in the entire province who are nice, and you had that jacket. And those other two who were alternates that rock the jacket, you know who they were alternates. They weren't that nice. But you were on that roster. You had the jacket. I'm being honest. You know you guys. They, some guys are, oh, who's that? He's an alternate. And, uh, he got the jacket. He didn't really play. Um, but, yeah, you um, made every provincial team, and having that jacket was a big, big deal. But, uh, you know, the landscape has changed so much with club teams and and all those things. But uh, I wouldn't trade high school basketball for anything. And then, like I said, went to Langara College where where I think Mitch's jersey is hanging up or should be hanging up. We went 40-2 and with Randy Knorr out there and we won a national championship after winning a provincial title and going undefeated and winning a national championship at Langara. And then uh, with Kevin Hansen, uh, probably one of the greatest college coaches ever and then coming out to brandon university and playing for coach hemings who's arguably one of the top three or four canadian university coaches ever and then having success out here and you know just kind of finding a niche and then at the whole entire process i just realized that the older i got the uh, you know prime my language the here i was i was really nice in grade 10 i bet corbin can feel me on that um <laughs> i was really good in grade 10 i was a pretty I was provincial MVP in Port Alberni. I was nice. If I could have declared for the draft, I probably would have grade 10. Grade 11, 12, I was okay. And first year of college, I was okay. And then when I got to university, I was maxed out. I was just a role guy that was, you know, a, a good leader and a good team guy and, you know, did all those things. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's gotten me my master's degree out here, uh, got me a great career uh, and an awesome two little boys that uh you know mean the world to me so all that because of basketball sounds really cheesy and cliche but there's a lot of kids out there it's the same thing that you know basketball led us to you know great great friends but also a chance to get an education and to see the world and you know i think we're very very lucky to to have this all bring us together
2: for sure and that's it that's 11 minutes and 55 seconds with Guilford chung uh he just summarized his whole basketball journey. i asked him about his life as a little kid and the next thing you know he's telling me about his master's degree Um,
0: yeah true (laughs) you
2: want to know about little like you want you want to know about little little the important part of the important part of a hoop's journey is is to listen okay yeah true no okay good stuff so what junior high you I wore did you gum go boots
0: to? to school in grade five. I remember that. My first day in school, I had gum boots on. It was September in Richmond. I had gum boots on. Coca-Cola shirt.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what I junior know. high did That's you go I to? Were. Did you say? I went to R.C. Palmer. Oh, it was Palmer. Okay. Yeah. R.C. Palmer. Was that That's where JL? Yeah. JL was your coach there? Okay.
0: Yeah. It was, but that was when the time when they started changing schools. Remember, it yeah. used to be 11 and 12. That was the first year when I went to Richmond High. It was the first year they went 10, 11, 12. And then after that, they went 8 to 12.
2: Well, that's what I was going to ask you because you to said 12. 10, 11, 12. Yeah, because when I was, you know, you're three years younger than me. It was it was that way, right? It was 8, 9, 10, then 11, 12. So was junior ball not a thing? Like, did you just jump right into playing senior when you were in grade 10? Or did you have a grade 10 team at Richmond High?
0: We We had a grade 10 team. And I don't remember the rules, but I think it was like, you could be on the junior team and the senior team. So I okay. remember, specifically remember all the time we'd play Terry Fox junior team and then right afterwards we'd change and we'd go warm up for the grade for the uh, senior high game. And then you yeah, were allowed yeah. to do that so many times, but then you couldn't play in the playoffs because then you couldn't go back down or something. So I remember Posh was right. the only guy that went up. But we went up for provincials just like they, they do now. But yeah, we played – Two games, two practices every day, and then it was it was awesome. Like my In grade 10, our leaders there were 312 kids were like Kyle Russell and Mike Davis and Brian McDonald and Eric Egan. You haven't heard that name in a long time, Eric Egan. Wow,
2: yeah. Holy smokes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He cool. smoked? Maybe, probably. <laughs> Is that what you said?
2: No, I said Not holy God. smokes. I haven't heard that name in a long time. That was a... He had quite a commute from Victoria, I think, right, to play?
0: Yeah, I'm across, yeah, he but he's taking Germany, he German, German mechanics, auto mechanics.
2: Had to, had to take the ferry every day. That's that's good dedication to high school basketball. Not bad. Anyway, just talk a little bit about, you've touched on it a little, you know, you're, when you're in grade 12, you guys won the provincial championship in, you know, pretty large fashion. Um, but want to talk about that group of guys that you grew playing with and just your relationship with Coach Disbro. You know, a guy that has literally committed his life to the high school game. And there's only a few of those guys left in our province. You know, the Goulet's and the Chambers that we're talking, you know, 30 plus years of committed. So, I, you know, I, without touching on him, like if he probably doesn't come into your life, things probably go a different way for you. So just touch a little bit on on what that was like and, and what he did for you. Oh, for sure. I don't know. Like,
0: would know, we always called him Bill. And I was just remembering, like, he, when a coach he's like, no, just call me Bill. And he'd be the first one to tell you that not really there to teach you X's and O's or teach you about, hey, this is how you shoot, or this is how you come off a of pick and roll, or this is a step back, James Harden. Like, I remember most days, he'd just come in and tell you, hey, uh, Ron Putzi was pretty good. This is what he did. Not talking about technique. he just talked about he'd wake up at 6, he'd come in and shoot, he'd lift, he'd come back and play come back and shoot. He'd be best friends with Armando or janitor and come back and shoot, play. And you're like, oh okay. Mm-hmm. You kind of figured out that oh there's no shortcuts. Like he would just he never teach it. I don't remember him ever saying anything that was from a technical aspect. It wasn't like, hey, your handle needs to do this. Or hey when you come off a screen it's like most mornings if we were shooting or working out, he would shoot, he would punch the ball when it went through the net back at you. That's what he did. Mm. He'd rebound and yeah. throw it back at you. And it was never about that. It was always just about, hey, you want to be good. He he always say the same stories. I was never he was never a good basketball player, but this is what good basketball players did. And I've been around a lot of them. And if you want to be great, this is where you need to be. And if you don't, you want to be average, this is what you do. And if you want to just play for fun, great, but you're not gonna get anything out of it. I think that was the big message from him. But at the same time, I was just lucky to have a group of guys that like Pasha Baines Jesse Tupper end up being a pro football player. Uh, Atmos Mako uh, ended up being a pro football player as well. You know, Rick Pridmore played at Trinity Western. Brian Host uh, played at UBC and then became one of the best scorekeepers at UBC ever there. We had just so many guys on our team and you know, you're laughing. It's okay. It's laughing. Six, nine with scorekeeping. It's kind of scary. Um, but we just had a great group of, of guys that were always in the gym. And and that had nothing really to do with us at the end. It was I remember growing up being in the ninth grade or eighth grade and seeing like Andrew Mavis in the gym or seeing Novell huh. Thomas come to open gym, like, or Jordy McTavish. Like as a little kid, I thought Jordy McTavish, it would be like, what were kids compared to? Like seeing LaMelo Ball show up at the gym. Like it'd honestly be the same thing. You know, you'd hear stuff about Jordy McTavish or Jordy, well, he was going to go to Utah. And, and Majera said he was better than Isaiah Thomas. And I'm in the eighth grade going, Oh my Lord. Like, ooh, this guy can walk on water. Um, it was just a different different era back then, but uh, it, it, I think the biggest thing for basketball-wise is you know, that we had a group of guys that loved basketball and loved being together, and we just got in the gym, we competed, and we competed. I think the big thing Bill did was, and I don't know how you can create it. It's the same with you, you in high school. It's just, I don't know how you create that atmosphere of accountability and ownership. And I don't think, I don't know if you can. It's, like you hear about kids all the time now. It's like, oh hey, uh, Coach Mitch, uh, I don't think I make it to practice. What? Hmm. Like, I wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't even close. Like there was. I don't remember anybody ever being late or, you know, every guy on our team that want the better kids or the guys that really love basketball. We'd show up to the gym every day, seven a.m. And you know what? I'd miss one every like two months. Oh, and I just felt like the biggest piece of poop in the world. Like I.
2: Yeah, and the boys would probably boy get on thought, you, right?
0: A little, like not really. But like I remember oh, I remember like uh, walking around the other way of in the high school just so I wouldn't have to walk by Bill's <laughs> classroom like I, I I swear to God like I really felt like I let him down like I really felt like I totally let him down if I didn't show up and uh-huh. he'd never be like where you, where were you this morning he just uh-huh. I, I, I treat he'd know he'd treat like every other day but I'd be like oh my lord I can't believe I did this because you know what Kyle Russell didn't miss a day Kyle Russell was sick he sat there and you're like two you want to be like Kyle Russell, and you know that's right. that's the way it was. And I don't know how you recreate that. That you know, and you had to be pretty good. But at the same time, I just mm-hmm. don't know how you can get that. I don't know, it's not camaraderie, but like you know, everyone talks about culture, this culture. That. Well, that was culture, and no one ever talked about it. You know, like we have mm-hmm. we talk at, at BU all the time. Guys are like, yeah, yeah, coach, we're, we're going to have a we're going to have a team meeting. You're players only. You know, what teams do they have meetings? They meet all the time. It don't matter. Nothing gets accomplished. You know, I I don't ever remember being in high school, having meetings and stuff. It was just, this is what you did. And then, you know, this is what you did to be great. And and as a group of guys, I think we did a pretty good job. But I I don't, I'll be honest. I don't know if I've ever talked about high school basketball. You know what I mean? Like, there's some guys that will talk about all the time.
2: For sure. But I think it's cool to hear because I think you touched on a few good things one is we had, we had Mave on the podcast, right. And and he talked about Bill and growing up and being in grade eight and, or nine and going to the gym. And then Ron Putsy was there. Right. And like, just that, you know, I know the word culture you've mentioned, but that culture yeah. was created. And so to see it still going on, like he graduated in 94 year, 98, four years later, it's still just as strong. And it really was yeah. just because you had a guy who was willing to open the gym, right? Like he yeah. wasn't making these workouts for you. He wasn't forcing it, you know, into you is you guys making the decision to be like, Hey, we we want to carry on the tradition of Colt basketball yeah. and we want to, and we want to get better ourselves like selfishly because we want to be competitors and we want to win. And we have a lot of young coaches that listen and they've kind of messaged us questions about different things. And I think that's an important yeah. one is that, you know, if you want to start a program at the high school level where you're not choosing who's coming in through your door, like these are your guys, where yeah. you have to create that culture every day in terms of, just allowing them to get in there and work at it. Right. And, and that, so I think that's an important thing to touch on. And I think a thing that's weird too, and I don't want to be like, Oh, back in the day kind of guy. It's not really the thing, but it's like those guys, like the Kyle Russell to you was kind of like a hero, right? Like you're in 10, you're like, Oh my God, you're like, Oh my God, I get to sit on the bench and watch him play. Right. Like, whereas now I'm like, are, do we really like, I don't know, pick anyone from this year Corbs who was like who is the grade 12 MVP at the 4a level
1: uh, Justin Sunga
2: okay so like is that someone's hero at Burnaby South I don't know right like I don't know yeah. and that's not a knock on Burnaby South I'm just saying like are the kids just is there too many other things going on because I was the same mm-hmm. right like yeah that's what I lived for was high school basketball I didn't wasn't thinking about moving on but eventually was you know so you touch on a couple yeah. really good things there
0: but I, I think you're when you were talking about it, it's, it's so different. It's just maybe because now when you're in grade nine, you've been playing the provincials. You, you were at the BCs already. Like you were a guy in grade right. nine, Like, but mm-hmm. uh, we're talking about provincial teams and stuff. And and like Terry Fox was amazing, you know, and I was eighth grade. Yeah. I was eighth grade and you guys beat Richmond high in the final. And I cut out that picture of Bobby lakes uh, uh, Rob Lang and Tomoli. They're crying on the bench. I had that Richmond news, the front page pinned on my thing. I wasn't going to their school. I didn't know these guys, but those guys to me were as famous as anybody you see on TV or on YouTube today. Like it was the coolest thing. I tell no this all the time, the Val Thomas uh, BC basketball hall of fame. He's the women's basketball coach here. And uh, you know, his kids, call me uncle and my kids call him uncle and auntie and and salty the earth great guy and i remember still showing up to dolphin park being eighth or ninth grade if he was there like it, i and this sounds so dumb but i remember seeing nobel thomas there and being like oh my god like you, you i don't care if i honestly wouldn't care if you know james harden was there steph curry was there. it'd make no difference because nobel thomas was at the park and you know mm-hmm. we looked up to these guys and I looked up to all the provincial team guys, I, I know Victor Gore, uh everybody I'm, that I had never met in person, I knew how they played, I knew what number he wore, I knew he had back problems, I knew a guy like Chris Neverall for Cornell, I wouldn't know who Chris Neverall was, but I remember watching him and seeing a random clip of him, you know, or hearing about him in the paper, or Russ was talking about him, and it was just this thing where you know it always motivated him. And it, And the same thing at Terry Fox uh, and other programs. And, but like, like you said, Burnaby wins this year, they do a great job, but it's so spread out now that kind of random teams win it back then. You could tell me who the top six teams were, it was Fox, you know, BC Richmond. And, and, you know, maybe you'd have Maple Ridge one year and SMU one year, you know, but you always kind of knew your four or five teams. Now it's Kelowna's great one year. And now, Tamanawis has a run, and Walnut Grove makes a run. It's it's just so spread out and and so different, I guess. But um, I know I ramble a lot, but yeah, we talked about having that culture and, and growing up with teams uh, and players above us and older than us. I I tell our guys, and if my kid decides to play basketball when he gets older, it's huge, huge, huge to be in grade eight and grade nine and play with older guys, because you know what? You need to know how to get Andrew Mavis the ball as a guard or any player you need to know how to get the hell out of the way you need to know that when it's six six and games to seven you're not shooting unless it's a naked step up you, you know how to cheat the score you know who to foul how hard to foul because the first time it was six six and you should have followed them and you give them this kiss me sister foul and they score everyone looks at you like what the hell are you doing because you have to sit now it's different now kids are you know next game next game but I remember going to Dolphin or, or playing Open Gym Richmond High, and you know you were the last kid out there, and your job was not to mess up. And then what would happen with it was 6'6", is one of the good guards who was three, four years older would pick you up full court. You figured out how to get the ball past half court and not turn it over. I think guys have gone away from that. They've gone away from you know playing against people that they know they weren't the best guy, but they knew how to figure out how to stay on the court. And I think that's a lost art because kids – they don't want that anymore i don't think they they want to be kind of stroked a bit they want to be the best guy they, they want to rather work on their skills and see where they stack up against everybody else you know everyone looks great on the you know how many tapes i get each day and like everyone looks great in their tape but mm-hmm. you know at the end of the day is this yeah i think that's the big part that's missing is that ninth graders clear ninth grade shoot yeah. when you were in the ninth tenth grade you never did you ever run with just the tenth
2: graders never
0: there was no chance you know, yeah. I think that that's a big thing that's missing.
2: Yeah. And we say to our kids, like mm-hmm. in the summers when we've had open gyms and stuff, and we bring alumni in and they might even not never played. They're just older and bigger. Right. And it's like, yeah. we've got one chord of our kids playing against each other. And, and I'm like, guys, go like, what are you doing? Yeah. Get on a team so with those guys and play against those guys. Right. It, it, yeah. Just that gap of, I don't know, maybe they're worried about getting exposed and like they see a crossover on Instagram, but then the guy doesn't make the jumper. It's like, that's how you learn is by falling down and, and getting knocked. And regardless of how far basketball takes you, that's what you learn about life is like, it's not always yeah. going to go in your favor. Right. And it's such a huge point. Um, so thanks for that one. Um, yeah. And like, did you go ahead? Oh, so I was just saying like, when you
0: play in those games, like there's so much you pick up on that, like, you can't teach. And, you know, everyone says, oh, this kid's got basketball IQ, or he sees the action happen before. But I remember figuring out maybe grade 7 or grade 8 that they check the ball, and then let's say Mitch was underneath the hoop, and he's going to come off a down screen, and you make eye contact, and you throw it over the top, and you get a layup. You do that. And then when you play a game, Pasha and I would come down, and i look at him, and defenders face guarding him because he could really score. You throw it over the top, get a layup, and one. Or how many times now that even when you're doing a drill or you're in practice and a kid's getting overplayed and you you opened up your eyes oh, as you, you just know. did right now, right? You mm-hmm. just opened up your eyes, didn't you? You went like this. Mm-hmm. And, like, kids are still looking at me. I'm like, dude, that's the universal sign for mm-mm. Yeah. And they, yeah. they're looking at you, you know? And you're like, well, how do I teach that? <laughs> well, you can't. Like, how many times do you watch a game? You know what I mean? Like, how many times do you watch a high school or junior high game and you watch a kid hit a head and throw it into space and they score? And you're like, whoa, that kid's – that's a hell of a pass. Well, growing up, uh-huh. everyone threw that pass. Now yep, it's like, right. you know what I mean? Like when you see a kid throw that, you're like, oh, my God. You know, and like, yeah, we always mm-hmm. say two to three, you throw two to three. Oh, man, people are throwing yeah. that thing on a rope and you only have to look. You throw it into space. But now when you watch a kid actually do it in grade 11, grade 12, you, like, the kid could be special because, like, they talk about uh, Alonzo. Oh, he could really pass the ball. He throws it into space. Like, yeah. You know, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm just old.
2: No, it's good. I like it. It's good stuff. It's good for the young people to hear. You're a a youth Mm. sports coach, man. So it's like things that are on people's radar, right? Now, you know, you you crapped on yourself a little bit about being like getting progressively worse throughout your career, which is not necessarily true. But I think one of the things that I always valued in you was your mind for the game and the way that you were able to be such a great teammate. Um, And obviously, you know, you're starting a point guard on the 98 provincial championship team. That was a huge moment for you probably in your career, like after watching Mavis and those guys lose in the final and and the the dynasties of Richmond go through to be one of those banners hanging the wall is huge. And then, you know, you go to you go to Langara. Did you have any idea what you were gonna do coming out of high school like did you were you did you want to move on Did you think you were better than you were were you getting looked at like now that you're in that position, what was it like when you were in grade twelve did you think you were nicer than you were? you know what I mean like talk a little bit about that if you can remember way back yeah. in those days but I don't know if I, I I thought I was pretty
0: i thought I was pretty good, but I didn't think I was you know I wasn't telling people yeah, you know pepper dying cold or Southwest Missouri tech Christian called and like, I wasn't that guy because you know what? Like we, we had the highest recruited kid in Canada at the time. That was my best friend. So I remember the like I specifically remember going like, Hey, uh, good. Pasha Baines, Gil Chung, whoever else, you know, come to the office for your mail. Like I got mail mail school. It was SFU. It was Western Ontario. It was like Calgary. It was like three in one day. And uh, I was feeling nice. Posh looks over, it's like, Arizona had a written note, Lou Olson. Cool. Syracuse. Oh, Stanford. And I'm sitting there going, oh, I got Coach Boydell at Western, um, who was like, Dear Gil, we are re- extremely interested. I'm like, No, you're not. Like, it's the same message you send to everybody. Um, right. I think the biggest thing I could re- remember was it, it's different now. There's so many schools to play at, you know, out of yeah. high school that, you know, like, you know, what's it's like growing up, it's Thompson Rivers was, was a college. You know, there was no, UBCO was a college, Trinity was a college. You know, back then to get into a university in BC, it was UBC, SFU, UVic. Now, no one ever went to UVic, or, or was it me? Like, no one really ever left the, like, went from the mainland, to the island, very much. So it was between Yeah, it was UBC, a lot of
2: island guys played, for sure.
0: Yeah. And then it was like between UBC and SFU. Well, shoot, I wasn't smart enough to get in either one of those schools, to be honest with you. And mm-hmm. I remember I remember having a great game with the 17 provincial team. And we played, I think Oakland something. And I must have had like 22 and 12. And I remember right afterwards. So Posh has been visiting everybody. He's been recruited by you know all the top ten school. And he comes to me right after we're getting changed on the side court there. And he's like, hey, whatever happens, man. You know, There's a lot of coaches there. He's like, but it, you can't talk to any coaches. He said, like, it's not, you can't, you can look at him where he's like, you can't talk to him them like, to rule. I'm like, yeah, yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. So, like, two minutes later, hey, Gil, Gil, I'm it's here, but I don't want to turn around because you know, it's against the rules. I turn around, Corey Russell, University of Calgary. Posh, like, hey, <laughs> looks over at his shirt. It says Calgary Dinos. He's like, You know, talk all you want, man. I was like, (laughs) man. So Corey Russell came down. Corey Russell was not afraid to
2: recruit hard, though, man.
0: No. I remember Corey Russell came to my house. Oh, man. Came to my house. My parents do not speak English. I said, hey, I don't know if you want. He's like, no, no, no. I'll come on up. I'll talk to him. (laughs) I swear to God, he came to our house. And we live in this two-bedroom, like, you know, not a very nice house. We rented out the basement. You know, we had uh, from grade. In grade eight to grade twelve, I didn't have a bedroom. So I would have like a, you know the foam mattresses you have on top of your bed? The foam oh, mattress man. would be would be rolled out, rolled up. And then when it was bedtime, I'd roll it out on the floor of the living room. I sleep in the living room every single night. We didn't have enough bedroom. And Corey Russell was here, he's like, Oh, show me your room. I'm like, dude, I ain't got no room, man. And yeah. he's like, Okay, uh, let me put in this highlight tape. So he puts in this highlight tape, Sean, like you know Jack, Jack, uh, you know, Jack Simpson or Jim, and and showing the you know all the infrastructure at UFC and Navi Seacons on the highlight tape. Kyle Russell was there. My parents were just like, "What's this guy doing? Like, what's he talking about right now?" And my at the end of the day, my marks weren't high enough to go there. Um, I remember was, uh, they came down to them, Western Ontario, uh, but my marks weren't high enough to get in any of those schools. Uh, so mm-hmm. I was ready just to take the year off, go to Langara and go to school and then try to get in, uh, to Western the year after, you know, coach Hanson called me late, maybe beginning of August, middle of August. He says, Hey, I heard you're not, duh, duh, duh. would you like to come in and play? I said, sure. Why not? And end ended up playing and it was a great, great year. Uh, and we had a ton of guys that moved on. And I think that's the other thing too, is that, you know, you went to college and you had a great career and you weren't a very good student for a lot of the time. Uh, but at the end of the day, you you finish with your degree and you have a great career now. But it took you a while to find your footing academically, and and I think that that was it for a lot of people. But back then, the college league was no knock against it now. But the college league was really good, and then guys would move on. You know, guys mm-hmm. would go to universities. Like I remember Nor and James Nax. went to X. Jeff Ed. Jeff Dallin goes to Ottawa. James Durwin is the coach. Of Ottawa played at Ottawa. Tassel, Tassel cannabis was at you? Yeah, Tassel was at UBC. Uh, yeah. Ricky Brar went to Calgary. Like that's eight Mark people, or whatever. Mark Tassock. you know,
2: He almost eight double or nine digits people. on the on a college team. <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, what? Yeah. yeah, nine I know. people moved on, and I think it's like Minko, Kulik, and yeah. that's yeah, that was probably Minko and probably one other guy. I can't remember the name, but Moses. Oh, Richie Bell Malinsky. passed away. Moses, yeah, Brent Malinsky. Um, me uh, the other guy just said, and Richie Bell, Richie Bell passed away. Yeah. And Jamie, we were the only ones mm. that didn't play anywhere else. Well, like, so 13 yeah. guys, 12 guys, nine, 10 moved on. Like that never oh, yeah. happens now. There's no chance, you know, like, yeah, sure, and that man. was the thing Like we, we used it kind of, you know, as a, you know, it was a great place to play. Uh, we had tons of fun, you know, you had tons of fun there and then you moved on. But uh, like I said, a lot of it's changed.
2: Yeah, and the team that you played for, like you mentioned, right, like 40-2 and and to be able to go back-to-back. And then against, you know, Dawson again, had Prosper, who obviously, you know, had a great career as well. We want to take a moment and thank our sponsor, Parkside Brewery. Located in the heart of Port Moody on Brewer's Row, Parkside offers an amazing atmosphere with one of the best summer patios around. If you can't make it to the brewery located at 2731 Murray Street, then hit any government retail store and try the Don Pilsner, the Dusk Pale Ale, or my favourite, the Dreamboat Hazy IPA. A Hoop's Journey promises that the beer at Parkside is much, much, much better than the owner, Sam Payne's streaky jump shot. We hope to see you Parkside. And then why Brandon? Like, how do you end up at Brandon? And I really want to touch on like winning a national championship there. You win a provincial championship, and then like you're pretty much in the hunt on every team that you've played on. So wh- how does how does Gil Chung end up in Brandon, Manitoba? And then we'll talk about how he ends up getting his boy out to Brandon, Manitoba too. But yeah. what was uh, the step? There? What, like, was- and two, like I think it's just interesting to touch on too, like a year where you you know you won the national championship and you you came off the bench and Frick, if you had to just come back, we might've won again. But by this point, like realistically for myself, like I probably should have been moving on already anyways. Right. But uh, you know, you still had four years. Was that, was that the thing? Was that you were like, I still have four years of eligibility, or did you just want to get away from BC? Like what was the motivation and how did you end up in Brandon?
0: Uh, You know what? I I think, and this is not saying I'm great or anything, but, like I said, it's so different now. Like I know if it was, if this happened last year and, you know, we won a national championship and I probably played like 26 minutes a game or something and played pretty well at times. And like, I, I probably would have had my pick at school, but back then mm-hmm. it just didn't seem that didn't seem that way. Like you weren't going to Alberta, you weren't, you know, like you, be, but maybe we was just, you know, be naive, but we didn't know about all these schools. Did we? Like, I, I just don't remember. I knew some schools in Ontario. I didn't know about the Maritimes. I didn't know, you know, there weren't so seven schools in BC and Canada West didn't have 17 teams. You know, it was just, it was different then. But yeah. uh, I remember, I mean, you I remember you being... St-
2: even in, even in 99, like you're not, you're not going on the net and searching up Western Ontario and what programs they are. You know what I mean? Like it's not, for sure. it still wasn't available like that, right? It was like, you got a package in the mail with a letter. There was no... You're not going on and searching all these schools and looking at school options and where you're going to be living. And all this stuff is just like, if anybody had ever been there before, it was just word of mouth, you know?
0: Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like there was zero chance. Mm. Um, But I do remember, and this is just being brutally honest, but you know, you, you played at Langara, but you, you, I was always the guy. And maybe not just myself, maybe yourself and a lot of kids out there now is just, you want to get away from home. So you feel like you did something. You know that was big for me. You know my best friend was playing at Clemson. You know he's playing in the ACC. He played against Duke and Carolina. My other best friend, Atness, was finishing up school uh, with, and then ends up going to Saint Mary. Well, he was uh yeah, cJ and Champlain. And then uh, my other buddy who passed away was playing college down at Butte College. And I'm sitting here at Langara, just going over you know the Alex Fraser or whatever it is every day, and like, and there was nothing wrong with that, but I was just like man, I, I want to do something, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I, I want to, I want to leave home. I want to, I, cause you know what? You always remember those guys coming back at Christmas. What, you know, if Morgan came back from Nevada and he'd have a mm. Nevada shorts on or something, it was the coolest thing in the world. Like Maeve would come back and have Northern Arizona lumberjack. Like, Oh my God, it was like some camp shirt. And it was the coolest shirt in the world. And you'd be like, Oh wow. Look at, look at little shorts they're ugly the same shorts you have with NAU on them that was the coolest thing in the world and I just felt like I really want to get away from home um but that summer was and this is what I, I miss a ton of was we used to have the U19 provincial team you remember that
2: I've mentioned U19- many times like how great that I the one thing that I really I, I'm okay with the club and all that I and mean, I think we can sort a few things out for people to play back on the provincial team after club's over but the U19 was an amazing experience because it was like grown man ball, right? Like oh, yeah. I just, I I've, I've talked about it a few times on this podcast. I, I think it, if there was one thing they bring back, it'd be, it would be that it'd be pretty dope.
0: I, yeah, I, I loved U19 because I remember just, you'd have the kids right off high school. Then you'd have the guys who bounce back. Um, and then you get to go compete for a national championship, which I still think is a huge, huge deal. And I know, uh, the club teams compete for different things and you know next week's on to the next one and this week we're in seattle and then we're in vegas and then we're a lot whatever it is but you know putting on experiential team jersey and competing for your province was huge and i remember going out to U team with jeff Dallin there um and uh coach hemings recruiting me out of uh the U nineteen tryouts uh kind of got the ball rolling and then um but we talked about U 19 and it was it was honestly the most fun I've had. Um, I know you don't want to hear random stories, but we're at uh, the no, national absolutely. tournament. We're at the national tur- tournament, uh, and we're playing Alberta, and Atnis Mako is on our team, and and we're playing Alberta, and they had a kid named Mike Melnichuk. Now, you'll know Melnichuk now because he sells a million homes and, and on Facebook, and and uh, he's a good dude. And up playing Alberta. He won a national championship there. I think he's a year younger than us and we're playing Alberta and the crowd starts going nuts. and we look over and Melnichuk's on the ground and he's cut open. He's his face is all mashed up and the crowd's yelling and pointing at him, and nothing happens. We finish the game. So they make a big stink to check the video. So Virgil Hills, our coach and Virgil says, Hey, Adniss, what did you do? He said, nothing. So, well, something happened. The kid's bloody and the video is going to show it. So I did nothing. So we go on this video, and right in the video, they get in each other's face. Before the video pans out, Adniss winds up and just elbows him as hard as he could. And the kid drops. Well, earlier in the play, Melchick tries to trip him. So Atnis gets suspended the rest of the tournament. And I think we, beat, we lose in the final to Ontario, but if he doesn't get suspended, we win. I think we beat Ontario. We lost by like six. But the best part was in the video... He trips at us, As gets in his face, and As is talking to him really calmly. So we're like, Nas, what were you saying? And he says, I said, hey, i give you three seconds to apologize. One. To, he was—he didn't apologize, so he wound up and just elbows the kid and drops him. <laughs> he just drops him, and he's like, "I'm like, why would you lie to Verge?" He says he has the tape. He's like, "I don't know if the tape saw it." And then it's like, "Oh, the tape saw it." Oh, but the—and this is the worst part. This is—you remember back in provincial team or back in those years, you wore the baggiest shorts, possible. And I mentioned Brian Host earlier, so Brian Host is on our provincial team. He gets called up because the kid quit. But he's with us at national. Well, we get there, you and like, you, you go grab your shorts and you go to the game. So I grab my shorts and I grab like XL shorts or double XL shorts. I'm five 5'11", feet. He's six nine. So he's like, Gilman, you wear these larges. And I said, No. He's like, Come on, man. I'm like, No, I'm not wearing them. I'm like, You wear them. I'm like, What are you gonna do? Tell Verge. Well, Verge comes back to my room. He's like, There you go. Uh, I re- I respect that you're older and you're a captain, but he's like a foot taller than you, man. Give him give him those shorts. I said, well, I said Really? He's like, Yeah. I said, Okay, all right. I give him the shorts. And Mace and Jordan Mason, these guys are all laughing. I'm like, Oh yeah, funny, eh? Okay. Next game, I grab the shorts and Brian Host is like, Can I have those shorts? I'm like, Oh no, they're all the same to me. So he goes and gets Verge. Verge calls everyone in. Okay, who ripped out all the tags to all the shorts? I don't know. I don't know what happened. Really? You didn't rip all? I ripped out all the tags to every one of the shorts on a provincial team. So that no child. one knew No one knew what size they absolute were.
2: Absolute child. And
0: I knew I had the biggest shorts, but what? Say something.
2: Absolute child. Um,
0: exactly. I ripped out all the tags to all the shorts. So, like, I could tell what the large ones were. But, like, I was like, hey, I, got, I don't know. I don't know what size they are. I said, I got these ones. Too bad. Yeah, Absolute kid. But, yeah, U- U19 was awesome uh and so uh, what but like, what
2: what was the reality like of going from like vancouver right essentially richmond vancouver and then like landing in brandon and and realizing that's where you're going to be like what were the goods and bads because i know how i felt when i landed um and talk about your experience there uh your first so you made two national finals right lost to st vex yeah how yeah. how did the other two years go for you guys as well
0: yeah, my our third year we lost to York. I think in the first game at nationals when it was yeah eight teams. And our fourth year was the first time, twenty one years or so, that we didn't end up making a national tournament. Uh, mm. But back then it was a little different. It was, it was you had to win GPAC or get the wild card to get in. Well, GPAC was only four teams. You know, I take my chances yeah. of getting a berth in the national tournament. So I think that was our second year going Canada West we end up not making oh, I see. the national tournament so you know and no knock against the brandon teams they had amazing amazing teams but it was a different beast going up against canada west to, to qualify for the national tournament uh and then just trying to get out of gpac but my
2: right my and so first for things, those that don't know gpac would be sask regina brandon, there was no then. winnipeg oh
0: yeah it was just brandon winnipeg, winnipeg manitoba regina manitoba, four
2: teams. regina right that's it and yeah. that was your so, birth to nationals yeah
0: yeah so it, the you know the road there was i'm not saying those teams weren't but you didn't have to go through ubc uvic calgary alberta every single year um but mm-hmm. you know those teams were amazing teams you know even our first two years it wasn't ever easy getting to the national tournament. our first three years uh, our third year mm-hmm. we end up winning can my third year we end up winning canada west uh and then losing to york uh and then our fourth year we lost uh um, in the final four, I believe, uh, in Canada West, didn't, didn't get through. Um, my coming out to Brandon, I specifically just remember driving out from Winnipeg because you can fly into Brandon. Uh, rented a car with my dad and we drove in. Um, it's super excited, super nervous. Um, coming in, and it was about 40,000 people probably. Uh, small, small town summertime the mosquitoes were huge it was super hot super humid um but i but i remember i remember uh, kev kevin hanson got us a job uh painting this summer with uh we had a nickname for the guy i can't remember his name um everyone painted doug We Whitford. always paint dougie dougie La- no that's <laughs> yeah, no. um but uh we, yeah we paint all summer i saved up every dime knowing that you know you get your tuition and stuff and, rent and I've never been away from home. So I try to save up everything um to try to make sure we, we get through the year. Um I do specifically remember that, you know, everybody was just so friendly. Like everybody would, you know, and uh, you know, I was new guy in town and you know a lot of great teammates and, and everyone looked after each other. But the community and it still is today was just so welcoming and and everyone would make sure that you were taken care of if you were a good guy. Now you know, everyone has teammates and, and people around that Maybe weren't the best guy, um and mm-hmm. but you know when you know what it's like when you hung around with good people. There's so many great people, and, and the biggest thing I enjoy out here and even back then was you had time. People would give you their time. I think that was the biggest thing. It, it wasn't you know, anything else but get them giving you you know their time of, uh, out of their day or opening up their home to have you there or or letting you hang out with their family. And I think that was the biggest thing and. And a huge draw for me after the you know first week or so i was here i just realized that what a great community this was and and what a big part of the bobcats were of, of this community
2: yeah i i didn't really know what to expect either right like you were on me pretty hard to come out that way and and jerry recruited me from the u19s actually we played out in brandon and then i was like i never really thought i'd end up there and then you know, it becomes an academic and basketball decision at that point, right? And, and that was the thing I just really enjoyed was, you know, being able to follow you around because you're obviously an outgoing person in all the relationships you had built by that point. And just being feel feeling so welcome. I don't know how many and everybody says, Oh, it must have been so cold out there. And, da, da, da. and it's like, if you get treated well, and you're enjoying it, it doesn't really matter what the weather's like, and people can say whatever they want. But like, some of the best times were out there, right? And just the people that yeah. had the opportunity to meet, you know, and then up coaching high school there and helping out in the community and doing what you can because so many other people have given their time and energy and effort as well. Right. And I I think it's a unique experience for you sport in Canada. Cause you almost, um, it's not like an American experience, but like there's the media at practice probably twice a week, right? Games are live yeah. on TV. Like it's just, those are things that we don't really get in a lot of scenarios, right? You have good donors who, like you say, invite you to their house for dinner and you sit and chat with, and you build a relationship with these people. So um, obviously it means a lot to you because you're still there um, yeah. and you've had a little bit of a journey back and forth, but like you're right back where you were. So I think it says yeah, a lot sure. about what the community really does do for people out there.
0: Yeah. What What made you finally decide to to come over or not even come out here, but to, you know, not go back to Langer or just be, just and finally move on to the universe.
2: This is my podcast, man.
0: Yeah, I know, but,
2: <laughs> uh, you know what? Like upon reflection, like that, that 2000 year, I, I wish I had just moved on and played and played two, you know, because, yeah. um, the one year that I did get to play with everybody, like I felt like I was still getting into a groove, even as we were going into playoffs, you know, like, Started a lot of the year, but still didn't like was figuring out the teammates, figuring out coach and like every all the different elements that come with that. Right. But I think what it came down to for me was um, I knew I still love basketball, but I also knew that I needed to get my act together academically. And uh, UBC wasn't going to be an option to get into. Um, Corey Russell recruited me pretty hard, had some chats with Konchelski at saint X and he was really honest with me and i appreciated i appreciated his candor and how great he was with me because he said you know if we're bringing a guy in for a year and we we've, we've kind of got max on our radar like we we want to bring a guy in just if you're going to be a starter and i can't promise you that you'd have to earn your way and i and i appreciated that um, and then you know i think the biggest thing was just having you there and someone that i trusted and knew you know i was older so it didn't that didn't matter like that wasn't something that would have maybe not go but you telling me and saying hey like this is a good place for you and and you'd enjoy it and your personality would fit and then looking at my transcripts and actually transferring over and and that my path to getting my education degree would have been you know as little resistance as possible anywhere else that I would have gone so there was a few factors right but um yeah. and then knowing that like we were going to be good um yeah. i didn't want to spend my last year like being a starter and you know whatever pushing for an all canadian on a team that like was 500 right like i was happy to be a role a role guy on a team that was going to make a run for a national title because that was important too so there's a few factors and didn't didn't and still don't regret that not sure how it would have ended up if i had gone somewhere else still have relationships with people that i met back then you know like i said coached high school volunteered gave time and and it was a it was an amazing experience so there was a lot of factors that were, that drew me there. But, uh, when I, when I did make the leap and go, I was happy. I'm not going to lie. When we got picked up at the airport and, and, uh, we were driving, I was like, what have I got myself into? And then like, we walked in that like duplex or whatever with nothing in it. And I'm thinking, Oh my God, here we go. Right. But, uh,
0: yeah.
2: Can we talk about, can we talk about, um, what was your first purchase with your student loan that year? Well, you bought two things. I'll see if you can remember well, what the two were.
0: Yeah, of course I did. Two things. One, say, <laughs> I think I asked you for... No, I didn't ask you for money. No, I did ask you. I said, hey, just give me like 40 bucks. And I got it. He's like, what? Just give me 40 bucks. I'm going to go to Walmart. And you come back. But he comes back. And I bought... One of those papa shots, you know, those like shooting machines that you have in the arcade that you shoot at each other, and like he's on fire. So we like it was so bad. It was like an 80 dollars one, all plastic, but like so good. A, you know, we had a little chart up and we like keep track of who made what. But here's the next thing, and this is how you know I'm a good guy. What's two types of guys, and I'm a good guy. What? Well, well second hand, I, I want to see what you, you have to see. Ugh. And, and he's got these fake, like, I don't know, they were like, what was the brand back then? I don't even know what the brand would be. Koss? Maybe Koss was a brand? These headphones. And he'd sit there with his, like, anti-Skip Sony Dismin and would listen to beats on his bed. I'm like, That's what true. the... So I went to Walmart, came back one day, I bought him a own CD player. And, I, Did. and he's like, he's like, really, man? I said, yeah, CD player, had speakers, it was nice, and then I said, "Don't throw that out." He's like, "Why?" I'm like, "Because the end of the year, Walmart takes everything back. I'm going to return <laughs> that thing when you're done with it." And I did. I no word of a lie. At the end of the year, I brought it back to Walmart. Got a refund. Got my money back. But my boy had my boy had some had some slow jams going. uh Don L. Jones. Yeah, but see, here's the thing with Mitch is like, we joke now, but we talked about that, you know, taking the academic journey and stuff. And I don't know. I know you have you know all of 14 listeners to this thing, but uh, the 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 fit the fit academically was huge because we both knew we were both in the exact same boat. We weren't taking business, we weren't taking you know arts or whatever. We wanted we knew that we want, loved basketball. We know that we love working with kids. And we and he says, Oh, you know, Gil's outgoing. Compare everyone knows Mitch. And everyone's been around Mitch. Everyone's been around Mitch with kids their families, Mitch after a few drinks, whatever it is, it's always a great time. And you know what? It's it's energetic and you, I don't know how else to say it. You feel you feel a little more zest and you feel a little more alive. And that's and that's the God's honest truth if if I was religious. Um but that's the way it was. But the, academically everything transferred over and we laid it out it was like hey I can get my bachelor's degree and I can go into uh, my two years of teachers college basically And they get my teaching degree and then it's valid everywhere. Like, Oh my God, when you tell me it's only two more years or three years total, that was crazy Mm -hmm. for us because you know, for you, you've been, you've been out of school probably five, six years by then. And you were chipping away, but you, you had an end game in mind that was like, Hey, suck it up, get it done. And then you can become a teacher and shoot. You knew enough people back here, back home that you could get any teaching job you want. And, you know your ability to interact with other people, but your communication, leadership skills, and ability to coach—shoot, it was it was a no-brainer. Uh, I think basketball-wise, like I said, Mitch was a lot better than I was, but I wasn't awful. But at the same time, Mitch was an all-Canadian, and he came in here and said, "Hey, how can I stay on the court?" You know, and that's a big difference too. It's like now kids are like kids transfer a ton, and mm-hmm. coach is not using coach is not using me right. Okay, what does that mean? You know, I or I'll get contact with a kid who's looking to transfer, and they'll say, "I'm just looking for a shot." I said, "Okay, well, you know, I you know, coach was favoriting, you know, and that's always a red flag because at the end of the day, we're trying to put the five best guys out there and give us a situation or, or present the best opportunity to succeed Friday, Saturday night. That's all we're trying to do. I don't care mm-hmm. if he's a nice guy. It's you know what you can't be a jerk because you you wouldn't be around if you were." But at the end of the day, we're trying to put the five best guys to give us a chance to have success on the weekend. And I think the big thing with you, of course, was that you totally changed your game. You know, Mitch came out here was, uh, you know, he would score in the post before he would do this, do that. You know, he came out here, he would post a smaller guy, they would duck him in, and then he could really became like guy knocked down three point shooter, and he could get really hot. You know, back in Langera, he would be streaky and wouldn't shoot a ton. But out here, he totally changed his game because he sat there and said, OK, I'm not as big as Ernest Bell. I'm not as athletic as this kid. I'm not going to do this. But guess what? I have the highest basketball IQ out here. I can space the floor back. And spacing the floor wasn't even a thing. And I could be a mismatch. And I could always bring the ball up enough as emergency outlet. And no one told Mitch that. But when you've been around and you have that sense, and we talked about playing with older guys, So he found a way to stay on the court. And become valid, you know, and and have value. And I don't think kids look that way anymore. Because mm-hmm. you even watch it when kids work out. Yeah. Everyone does the same type of workout. Well, you watch any game at whatever level, there, There's you're either a big that rolls, you're a pick-and-pop guy, you're a wing guy, or you're a ball handler. But 80% of the guys are working out as ball handler. Well, you're not coming off the pick-and-roll. Because if you want to have success, you won't be coming off pick and roll. But kids don't see that. And then it comes back to you know, coaching coach me, letting me play my game. No, coaches coaches trying to give you opportunity to stay on the court. But you're not trying to hear that. I think that's the a, a big, big thing is that you know, everyone wants to do the same thing, but we just don't all have the same skill set. I and mean, that's a huge compliment to you is that you know what we always say, get in when you fit in. And you did a great job. And I think you know, I'm not trying to hype you up because you're a podcast and 20 people listening now, but if you found a way to play on a on a national championship level team that lost in overtime and you played crunch time minutes and you totally changed your game. And I think you know, people listening out there is that hey, you have to find, you know, the more boxes that you can check off, the better. Because you'll have a chance to stay on the court. Hey, I, I can really shoot. Great. What else can you do? You know, I, I can really handle the ball. Okay, what else can you do? Because you need to check off more than one, two boxes. Because if you want to be on the court with a good basketball team, you know, you got to check a ton of boxes.
2: And outside of the skill boxes, thanks for that, by the way. Uh, you didn't have yeah. to rant like that. But uh, outside of the skill boxes, like as a coach, what what are the boxes that you're looking for as well? Like a young a young 16-year-old uh female male baller wants to move on like what are the things other than being able to score 20 and 10 are you looking for
0: uh i honestly would love kids to who love to play that love to play and love to compete and don't like talking about and don't Mm. and i i don't know it's just you know we coached on provincial team together and we had kids there and we'd love and they might have been the best kid, but that, that age is such a great age to be around because they're, they're like sponges. You can get them to do whatever. And, and you can right. motivate them. And, and they're so, they're so bought in, you know, they're, they're, they're a hundred percent run through a wall for you. And I think right. if the, the big thing at that age is I want kids who love to work and love to play. And then it has to be authentic. I, I, I you, we all have those fake tough guys or, the fake workers or the, or the fake competitive guys, and those guys are worse than the guys who aren't competitive. Just you know, I think that's the hardest thing is, you know, are they comfortable in their own skin? At sixteen, it's real tough. But mm-hmm. you know, when you, if you find that kid and then he has a little bit of skill too, you know, to be honest with you, that would all be probably playing at you know, have a chance to make money at this end of the day. But I think that's the toughest thing. It's finding who loves the game. Uh, you know, I love a kid who wants to work, uh, but then doesn't want, you know, to talk about it. You know, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. it's, you know, is he is he putting the work and he's not telling me he's putting the work? That's fine. Just go do it. You know, um, I think that's a huge, huge thing is uh, having guys that that love the bas- love basketball, and want to work at it. And like, and we, you know, I was telling Madden, uh, my oldest kid there, you know, about Kevin Garnett, and he's like, oh, was he a freak athlete? He's a pretty good athlete. He was a really good athlete, long, could really move. But you know what? There was probably what six, ten guys, eight guys, his athletic ability, his somewhat skill set, maybe in the last twenty years. But mm. his motor, his motor was crazy. You know, like he would work and he would continue to work. He got a little annoying at the end of his career, but when he was sure. really good, when he was really He's good, it was guy. like I know, but like when he was really good, it was really authentic, right? Like you thought he would Absolutely. love to love to play basketball. He just worked and worked and worked. And say what, you know, I was never a big Kobe fan and and I know so much has gone on since, but, you know, back, it was almost better when he didn't talk about, you know, Mamba mentality and all that. Like, it's mm-hmm. great hearing it now, but it's different when you have to tell people that. You know what I mean? Like I always thought that if you heard it third Somebody else. It was it was a great story when you when he's mm-hmm. out there telling it. It's just never like I love hearing the stories that someone came on the Lakers and would show up Kobe and get to the gym at five a.m. and then would beat Kobe there. Oh, but this was Kobe's second workout. So, but Kobe telling <laughs> yeah. that story is not as, you know what I mean it's it's not as Kobe yeah. telling it is not as cool as the trainer coming out going hey oh actually this is the second workout he just went to get yeah. some food you know what I mean.
2: For so sure. uh, mm-hmm.
0: when you look back, you think that, you know, that's a kid you would love to have in your team because it worked really hard and loved to play no matter where it was.
2: Awesome. You've said a lot of things that obviously are, um, you can tell what your coaching style is like just by, and how you speak and and, and what your focus is. Other than say coach Disbro since you've, you know, cause you, you did coach in the West or the BCCAA as well at Douglas for a few years. Um, yeah. So, you know, your coaching journey has also been, quite like lengthy as well right like you didn't just end up at brandon um you had to jump some hoops you were coaching single a girls at southridge for years right like so um who were the mentors and the people that you would have conversations with a lot about that just helped you keep you on your path and when did you realize that um being a u-sport coach was something that you wanted or did it sort of just sort of morph into that like when you're living in Vancouver and you're starting at Southridge and I'm starting STM and we're, you know, having a drink on the weekend, are you thinking like, Oh man, this is what I want. Or, you know, just talk a little bit about that before we let you be on your way.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I always wanted to be a, a university basketball coach and you know, you, there's a lot of young coaches out there and yeah, you know, I think it's huge to find a mentor. I was lucky enough to have uh, Scott Clark, uh, who's one of my best friends to this day. Uh, I probably talked to him three times a week. Um, a lot of times there's nothing with basketball. Um, but he was a, uh, assistant coach for him for two, maybe three years at Simon Fraser. Um, and it's, you know, no BS with it. It's either. Damn. I forgot about your, that.
2: What? That. I thought you were an assistant there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So like, there's a lot of young coaches out there. And I think that's a huge thing is find a mentor have someone that you're comfortable with and if they don't, it doesn't have to be someone that you're identically the same, you know, but, Mm -hmm. or, or not, or the same coaching philosophy, but just have someone there the you know, someone that you look up to a little bit and and someone that you trust. I think that is huge. Um, for young coaches, I just hate hearing young ones talk about, man, I had a workout today. It was such a grind. It was such a grind. Hey, if you want to do it, do it. You know, I remember living, my first year in Vancouver, I'd drive 40 minutes to White Rock to work out single-A girls at 7 a.m., Monday to Thursday.
2: You were living in, like, Kitts, too, not just Vancouver. I was living, like yeah, yeah,
0: I was living, I was living at Kitts. I'd have to leave about 6.20, 6.25. I'd roll in to Southridge at 7. I'd work out, and honestly, it was like two girls. They would come seven to eight school started at 8 10 i do that i teach i try to get a workout in at lunch or something and after school we finished at 320 i left right away i drove to simon and that'd be about 45 minutes i get to simon about 10 minutes into practice i practice four to six hang out there afterwards because there's the traffic was too bad i try to leave around 6 30 Get back to Southridge, practice with the girls' team seven thirty to nine. I think I did that for three straight years, and then the other two years I was doing the same thing, but at Douglas College. Um, the same routine, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then some and of those you just times did I it couldn't. Make... You
2: loved it, right?
0: Yeah, and I and I thought that it was a rep. Is that dumb as it sounds? It was a rep. Mm-hmm. Everything was an extra rep. And I was coaching Sinclair girls basketball, and it was wasn't pretty. But you know what? I figured to myself that, hey, every situation I see here, every situation I have to communicate with a parent or or uh, one of the players, me driving, me listening, me reading, the, everything adds to, I shouldn't say your superpowers, but it adds to your skill set. Whatever it is, it's an extra rep. That morning, I might have saw something or I might have used a terminology I never used before, and the girl got it. It was huge because I could use that somewhere else Or I was trying mm-hmm. to find out who I was as a coach. and. You know, I would pick up and and leave, and then some things I'd like, and some things I wouldn't. But you know, every day you're kind of growing and, and trying to find out who you're who you were as a coach. And I think that was huge. And you know, I would coach grade six soccer at the same time, so you had a full time job, you had two coaching jobs, or and then you could coach the provincial teams. You had CP on the weekends uh, out at uh, Pitt Meadows, so it was yeah, yeah it was, uh, you're just flying back and forth, and you're hoping that you got enough reps. That you could get, you know, at the end of the day, you know, get a university job. And it's not in some places, it's not glamorous. You know, I think at Simon, I might have made five grand a year. At Douglas, I was one of the highest paid honorarians. I think I got like seven grand maybe. Like, be, mm-hmm. I, mean, I think I never added it up, but like the gas and the travel, like I must have made, you know, 45 cents an hour. Like,
2: Yeah. I,
0: yeah, it was, you know, I, I remember being in sparwood for single a provincial girl winning first round getting on a plane landing in victoria getting picked up going to nanaimo play a playoff game lose next morning fly back up to sparwood to lose and then be single a provincial yeah (laughs) but i think
2: that's a a lot of time uh in between practices at my apartment, though, and eating oh, Han's. Yeah. yeah. And you all know what's the great about right. Ooh. So fresh.
0: So fresh. Broccoli. <laughs> you know what the most gangster thing about that Chinese food is? Is that it's not sanitary, right? Like, we're so lazy. It'd be like a Sunday or something. And, like, we eat, like, 70%. percent it It'd be way too full. The pot stickers with, like, three left. Mm. But we're all too lazy to put it in the fridge. So we just leave it there. And it stayed warm for oh, yeah. like four hours. Yeah. You know, it would stay warm. Like, we never had to heat it back up. Yeah. Yeah. But for sure, one nap. And Mitch Sunday like, night around. Back when you yeah. oh, yeah, man. And you just, like, we just lie there. And, like, and he had these bad, like, kind of leather-ish couches. And I'd be like, and no AC, right? So this bad fan. And, like, I'd be sticking on to the thing. And he'd go, you know, have a nap or something in his bed. I'd nap on the couch. And then we just hang out all day. That's all we did. Um, he check his fantasy football, and that's, it was like it was honestly like the most fun. Like Sundays, we just sit and hang out, and and that's what we kind of did. But it was, uh, but I don't know. For for young coaches, I think the other thing I was thinking of before I came on this was, you know, once you find someone that you trust, either older or younger, and you get a staff or people to help you, it's don't be afraid to delegate. I think I, that was my biggest thing when I was a younger yeah. coach. You know, like, oh, is that you, Court? I hear you. No? Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm the okay, I'm the junior boys coach under Mitch. But do like, you know what I
0: mean? It's yeah, but I think yeah. that's a tough thing, right? Is that yeah. You know, at Douglas, I it was tough to delegate because if you delegate, hey, does he know what he's doing? Why isn't he doing it?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You yeah.
0: know, I think that's a tough thing when you're a young coaches. One, well, trusting that person, and then getting advice is basketball is secondary. You need to be able to have guy good people around you. You know, I mm-hmm. have a great coaching staff here. You know, and none of them, you know want to be university head coaches. They're great people. Anything ever happened to me, every one of my assistant coaches would take my kids and make sure they're taken care of uh until things are organized. They're great, great people. But I think as a young coach it is to find people, focus in a few things, and then try to delegate other people to help you out and not sit there and, and be secure enough to know that, hey, you're getting help, but at the same time it doesn't mean you can't do it. I think that was huge as a younger coach was like, and even as a provincial team coach, I look back on now, you know, I was kind of a hard ass and I liked being in control because at the same time, I didn't really want to give Mitch or, or T Scott too much. Cause then it'd be like, Hey, it, it's my show. I know what I'm doing. You know, I think mm-hmm. now it would be completely different, but you know, 13, 14 years ago, you know, it was, it was a different story. I think, I think it's uh it's, you know, now you're kind of more comfortable in your own skin and, and who you are as a coach. I think that's huge, but finding people to, to, to balance ideas mm-hmm. off of where you can, be open and have honest feedback is is huge
2: for sure and like even if when you're young i totally agree with that point like this didn't even hit me until a couple of years ago when i took you know i just was an assistant role i've got the quotations in the air because just took a couple of years of getting eli settled you know those first couple of years as a new board is tough and and just being like freaking out like having a couple of young guys to coach and then i'm like oh my gosh like two years in a row we were one game from the bcs it wasn't You know what I mean? And just being able to let go of that, but also realizing like if we don't give those people and those roles opportunities and then give them feedback after, or maybe they do an amazing job, then like, what am I trusting when during a game, when I look down the bench, I'm like, Hey, what do you guys think here? They're just going to be like, Oh, you know? So there's so many different things that can come from just that delegating and having them and they feel more connected. They feel more a part of it. They feel like their role is important the players see them in a different way. So I think that's a huge uh, point that you make there. And it takes away from one of the questions at the end here, but I, I I'm glad that you um, thought about that and, and gave that feedback. Cause it's, it's huge. I don't know if Corbs, you feel that as, as a, I mean, you know, you're a pretty young coach in the coaching game and, and I know one of the hard parts, especially at high school or junior level is just having people there consistently even just to be there with you consistently, yeah. you know, like you don't even know if your young assistant who's in school and no knock on them, they're just running around. And it's like, how do I delegate if you're here two out of every six practices, you know? But does that ring true to you, what Gil's saying?
1: Oh, absolutely. Just, I know I, I, I had conversations with you about this, Mitch, like my first couple of years, you know, being a grade nine coach and then moving up to JV, I was just super... I wanted to control everything. I was there every single practice, you know. I'd stay late watching film and, and all that stuff, right? And and you know, I had my assistants, but I would never let let them, uh, you know, split up into let's do guard big split or like we do, you take half, I'll take the other half. I'm just I I was too much of a I micromanaged everything too much, and I and it really probably hurt me at the in the end because I just felt super stressed out and just overwhelmed with everything and never never not that I didn't trust him, but I just didn't feel like I could give them the reins. And that probably was yeah. a detriment to, to me and, and to them. Like I wasn't helping them. Right. I'm I'm the head coach. I should be, you know, giving them opportunities to, to try and contribute and, and then, you know, step up a little bit. Right. So, I mean, I, I you know, Gil, I wish I had that advice maybe two and a half years ago. That would have been very helpful.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I honestly think with, yeah, that for sure is a challenge, but I think with, younger coaches too at, at the same time it's you know there's so much information yeah. out there it's you know i think it's really important to to kind of pick up and you know you know it's great you know i i watch you know like uh my boy there at basketball immersion you know i've talked to him a couple of times great great mm-hmm. info great sets great podcasts um you know what's the, the basketball what's their podcast the ba- called The I think basketball you know, immersion. yeah the basketball chris podcast I think chris, chris yeah. oliver that yeah, yeah. some. Yeah, yeah, and he, he does an amazing job. And there's so many great basketball podcasts out there, and there's so much information on Instagram, Twitter, and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know, more is not always better. You know, it's oh, this set is does this, it does that. I think a lot of times, young coaches, they, I feel like they're they're more regurgitating information that they've seen or heard rather than it something they truly believe in or value. I think that's huge. You know, it's, uh, when I'm looking, when I talk to Mitch, and it's anything about, you know, the family or, or basketball, whatever it is, I want to know what he thinks. I, I don't want to have him quoting, you know, the Bill Simmons podcast. Like, I, I don't I don't need that. Like, I want to know what, I, I want to know what Corp thinks we should do on the pick and roll. And I don't want to hear what Ben Gundy does in the pick and roll. You know, I, I want to know what you think we can do. Yeah, of course, we all kind of, You know, take a little bit from here and take a little bit from there. But I think as a young coach, it's very uh, what is it—a slippery slope that there's too much information that you're jumping from one thing to the next, and oh, I like this or I like that, and at the end of the day, you're you're in eight different directions and you don't have anything. I think that's huge, is that because there's so much information out there now, and that, and I think a lot of times too now is you try to keep up, you you watch all these skill workers, and then you watch. Oh, uh, no, sorry, skilled trainers, and they're doing this, and they're doing that. And, oh, we're gonna run this set. We're gonna run that set. But at the end of the day, it's like you know, who do you have? You know,
2: what's your personnel? What are
0: you? What do you believe? What do you want to do? For Not sure. what you saw yesterday. Right,
2: mic do. drop. There we go. I don't think he could have said that any better. Corbs, do you have a question before we throw throw Gill into the lightning round and then let him be on his way? Because it's oh yeah, we got a lightning round. Uh, I sent you the notes. There's man. a lightning round. It'll be even better if you don't. This is
1: legit.
2: Don't read your text. Just uh, okay, I do. I, better. I,
1: no, hey, I a have a text. question. I, I think you kind of stepped on it earlier, right? Just uh, yeah. um, I'm. You know, you were coaching single. You were coaching at Southridge. You you were an assistant with uh, Scott Clark at uh, SFU there, and and now you're the head coach at at Brandon. Is you know is there a specific stint, you know, throughout your coaching career or, you know, throughout your teaching career? Like I'm reading your bio right now. You're teaching PE to kindergarten kids, right? You know, that was, you know, that was transform- yeah. That was more transformative than, you know, than you thought when you when you entered it or, you know, is there a stint that where things maybe clicked for you as a coach or when you've kind of discovered yourself or uh, if that makes any sense?
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, I think as a young coach, you... The biggest thing I would say is, as a young coach, you you, you got to be who you are. And that should be your coaching style. I think as a young coach, a lot of us are either two, there's only two types of coaches I've seen. And I'm shoot, I'm about to turn 40 here in about a week. But, you know, in my first 18 years of coaching or so, is there's only two types of coaches the, with young coaches. It's the ones that are so buddy-buddy that are snapping and, and tweeting at and sending stuff to every kid on their team and everything's a joke or the ones that are hard asses and separate themselves completely. Um, and very rarely do you find the right kid who's in between both. Um, and then when you watch them coach, I think a lot of times, you just have to be authentic to who you are. Mm-hmm. If you're an intense guy, that's who you are. you know. And I think that's the biggest thing when you talk about teaching, whatever it is. It's got to be authentic. If you're a happy-go-lucky guy, or if you're super organized, or whatever your strengths are, or, or that the the mold that you kind of fit into – is be that person because what one thing that kids from kindergarten phys ed to you know third year university know is they know when you're you're not right. being authentic and, and real with them um and i think the other thing is uh the big thing that you know I think mitch would uh, attest to was on our provincial team was you know we we try to develop relationships and as cliche as that sounds, it's that you know mitch used to pick up uh, Ibi from the bus stop you know, and he would make sure, we'd make sure our kids are okay. So once they feel safe, I think, then you can coach them any way you want. I remember we could coach those kids on provincial team. You know, we lost both years to Ontario, I believe. But we could, you know, we could coach any any way we want after you showed that they were valued and, and, and they had your trust and they felt safe around you. I think that's the biggest thing is that you have to somehow develop that authentic rapport with them. And it can't be, I don't know. I'm not big in this. Hey, we're going to go on this camping team retreat. It's forced, you know, I, it has to be somewhat, it has to be something that, that you believe in that's authentic and genuine to your program, to your beliefs. And then you have to develop that relationship. It might be with coach was thousands of hours mm-hmm. in the morning that he was had the gym open. It was weekends where he would, his car was there. He was working out he would prop the side door open or you would shake that side door as hard as you could so he heard you so you could work out. You know, that that showed you a ton. I still remember, you know, having to you know, yeah, going to a doctor's appointment in grade 12 and it was a little further. I didn't have a ride. He lent me his car. He drove a big Tahoe or something like that in grade 12. And I remember like, wow, this guy, trust me, this like $80,000 car to go to the doctor's office you know so i just you know you have to have that relationship and i think that's before anything x's and o's or or talking about how to shoot a step back or creating separation is you know make that connection as a person first and then it will go so much further
1: uh coaching one great answer thank you great answer
2: we well, always we always, jo- we always joke because Corb is using this to not only become better at recording podcasts, but it's like free Pro-D for him. So, Are oh, you going to school right now, Corb?
1: Yeah, I'm a, I'm at I'm SFU, actually. Oh, well, you got in, eh? A... <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, let's <laughs> hey, hey. Hey. yeah. in, this yeah. <laughs> After we were like, yeah, we could never get in, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> First try? <laughs> yep.
2: Okay. All right. Flex. All right.
0: Dad wasn't a barber. Dad wasn't a barber.
2: We're going (laughs) to. No. (laughs) Gosh, only we're going to throw some random questions at you. Dad spoke English. Oh my gosh. He
1: He does. He does. (laughs) Oh boy.
2: Good lad clothing is the most unique shopping experience in the lower mainland. The owner Shane Meyer has worked hard to create a personal experience offering clothing, specialized coffee, Haircuts and beard trims, located in Lower Lonsdale at 221 West Esplanade in North Vancouver, seconds from the C bus. If you are unable to make it to the store, you can shop online at shopthefoldgroup.com. And oh yeah, in store, if you mention a Hoops Journey, you'll receive 15% off anything store wide. okay all right man let's go what are your thoughts on ketchup on macaroni
0: ew no no we're good hot dog though you got a little hot dog is a it nice
2: put hot dog yeah there hot is. dog in the macaroni yeah but no ketchup yeah but, no we're good okay shout out jy yeah ew. um we're good who's the who's the greatest basketball player of all time or who is your favorite like who was when you were young watching hoops who was the guy that you loved watching play
0: Oof. I loved well, I love Michael Jordan. Um, I love Michael Jordan, but when I started playing, I would like just when I started taking off, I remember loving Stefan Marbury and then Steve Nash, of course. But as a kid, uh, watching people play basketball, uh, it's gonna sound real dumb, but I used to love watching Novell Thomas. Like I'll be honest with you. When we watched Steve's in Richmond, like he was just that good. He was that guy. Well, his Jay's broke now though. If he's listening, his Jay's broke. Oof. Broke. Bob uh, broke. <laughs>
2: wow. Lots of shooting contests broke. in the gym? Broke.
0: We ain't got it. Broke. 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 Bob broke.
2: broke. We ain't got it. Uh when I was U17, we saw yeah. we got to see Marbury play. He was on the gauchos yeah. or whatever. It was crazy. Yeah. The gauchos, yeah. yeah. Um what's spinning on the uh the spotify or itunes or even are you in the game right now or is it just all about the kids like do you even know like i remember years ago you text me one day like who's ninth wonder like because ninth wonder yeah because he, he tweeted man. me back he tweeted, yeah, yeah and he tweeted, and i lost he, my mind I,
0: I yeah him and i uh we were messaging back and forth maybe like a year and a half ago on twitter like he gave me address in the studio and i said yeah we'll send you all some stuff He's like, i appreciate it and he followed me on twitter and I was like, hey, it was Wonder, man. <laughs> no um, but now, honestly, it is like, it, i it's on Spotify right now. Every day it is hip hop favorites clean. To so all the kids, whatever's playing, the kids hear every rap song right now. He's five. He's five. But like, he, he knows every single song that's whatever playlist on Spotify, but it's the clean version. Oh, that's man. it. I know, it ain't good, it ain't pretty you don't even, it's, it's clean though, it's clean
2: You don't even go it's just clean no. now and then some 2000s clean, no?
0: Oh yeah, no, not no, 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 no they, they don't know it, like, Kate came down the other day, all I hear him saying was, Carol Basket. I'm like, what, Are you five <laughs> I swear to God, he's like, Carol Basket. I'm like, okay, good, just keep, keep it moving Oh
2: but, my gosh Yeah, he's yeah. Who's the greatest player you've ever played against or coached against?
0: Great. Greatest player i played against or coached a game. Oh, you know what? At 15 years old, Kevin Pangos was ridiculously good. Kevin Pangos oh. at 15 was really good. We, I oh. really had a kid named David. We had a kid named David Wagner that played at UBC. And he Was on our provincial team that year, and we. I he came out, tried out, he's like 6'8 at the time. I said, There's no chance there's any kid in the country as good as him. And then we played Ontario, and it was like Anthony Bennett was on the team, uh, Nick Stauskas was on the team, Dwayne Notice, and then you, there were uh, Webster Chen or Negius, whatever his name is, and they were pretty good, they're really good. But then you watched more and more, and you're like, Who is this little dude? He's like 6'1. He was amazing. Kevin Pangos at 15 years old was you know I don't know. I couldn't see many kids in the world being as good as him at
2: fifteen. I remember you mentioning him. Cause I didn't I coached you guys was, the next summer, so it was just Dwayne, but I remember yeah. you texting me at the game being like, Oh my god, this kid, Kevin Pangos, is ridiculous.
0: Yeah, because we like we were pretty good. Like I thought we were really good that year. We had Malcolm Williams who plays from the Argos, we had Nikai Lucan, we had David Wagner, a couple of Palmer kids, like little Billy Chen and and those guys, I thought we were really good. We could handle. Them. We had uh, a tear uh, who's passed away, and like we were, we had a, yeah, you know, like. And I thought we were just tough and we could handle. We're athletic, and I was like, yeah, we have a shot at this. And then I watched him, and I was like, I think we lost by thirty in the final. It was ridiculous. He was just real. He was really, really good.
2: Crazy. Um, who's been the most important person in your life?
0: That's a big question. I'd have to say my dad. We don't get along with dad. Like everything I talk to him about is money. That's ninety percent of it is about money, and it's very, very businesslike. But uh, you know, when you sit there and you realize that you move to a country with and have three kids and don't speak the language, have no money, and you cut hair in probably one of the worst parts of Vancouver for forty years literally since 1972, he cut it for, yeah, let's say, yeah, 40-something 40, 40 years. And you sit there and go, okay.
1: You, know.
0: you watch the uh, old washer and dryer place go, the video stop go, the tax place go. There are so many, like, new cell phone place go. Lawrence Chung Unisex Salon, you know, every single day he was there grinding it out. Some days he'd come home, he'd be pissy, and you knew you were going to get it. You know, you didn't, you didn't have new shoes, you didn't have this and that. At the end of the day, you're like, "Hey, this guy came over, you know, gave you this, this, and this, and never came to a basketball game, you know, never came to parent-teacher thing. He came. He started coming to basketball games in grade twelve, and him and I talk now maybe once a week, and it's, it's about random stuff. Like he'll Facetime the kids. I don't think he knows Tate's name. Like, he's just <laughs> so excited to see them. I remember telling him, yeah, like he just, oh, hey, he, I guess well, like, he does know Tate. Like he loves the boys like no other. If they're there, like he sees them, Facetimes them, loves them." To me, I can't ever say he's ever given me a hug or told me he loved me. It's just, I don't know, maybe it's, it's totally a cultural thing too, but, you know, he mm-hmm. definitely he's definitely 100% not one of your 14 viewers. But uh, he's, uh, <laughs> he, yeah, most important guy would definitely be my, my dad and my mom. And uh, my mom's like a four foot 11 Asian lady that doesn't speak English that sometimes does her head red. But like I said, those two have done pretty well for themselves. And yeah, they live in. A little condo in richmond but you know, they've never had anything given to them and they raised three decent kids and a couple good grandkids, and good enough
2: awesome man yep. uh two more left you got like gotcha. uh you got like four dollars and 81 cents you go to yeah. sev what's the bag of chips you're getting
0: Oof. one bag of chips four dollars i think i would go get Ooh, they have the little spicy hot Cheetos Like the the stick ones Not the Doritos Like the yeah, hot yeah. Cheetos I oh. get hot Cheetos I get like hot the Cheetos
2: red, The really red ones? Yeah Ooh. Yeah the really
0: red ones I kill those I kill those But the problem is like And then I'll touch like my eye or something And it oh, man, <laughs> It's game time I'm serious It's game time I, But I would crush those, those. Yeah i crush those Really? Crush wow. those What's your That's favorite another... five cent candy? What's your favorite that's five imp- cent candy? Sour key. Oof, dude. Like you? a sour Coke bottle. Sour Coke bottle. They're not even five this? cents anymore. That's that that's say. the biggest scam ever. They're 10. Like, what is that? <laughs> yeah. How do you go five to <laughs> 10? We Our whole life has been five. You know, like, before we get a quarter, you get five of them. Then we're like, oh, there's tax. You get four of them. Now it's like, what? 10? <laughs> I don't know. That's a lot of money.
2: These kids don't even know. Anyways. I know. uh, I know. Okay. You talked about it a little bit, but if you could do it all again, you would what?
0: If I could do it all again, I would what? I think I would, I would have done a much better job in high school. School. I was just, Hmm. you know what? Basketball is so important. And that's fine. And it still would be important, but I think I wouldn't have tried to, you know, try to, be as cool, you know what I mean? Like, I think I, I, I'm not trying to hype it, but I think I'm a decent person now. I think I was a good person in high school too, but I think I would go on my way to to make other people. And I think I did at times, but I think if I go back to make sure other people were good, I think that would be the biggest thing. And, you know, like I, you know, I helped out the Teen Pregnant uh, Center there, and I would volunteer for this and that, and the Special Olympics people at the. I did all that stuff, but like that's stuff that you did, you know, in a group or whatever it is, but just going out of your way to making sure that other people were good, you know, because in high school, it's tough. You know, some kids were the cool kids and some kids weren't and some kids were this and some kids, but just to make sure that everyone was, was good and taken care of and and mentally and in a good place. I think that's the biggest thing I would go back and try to fix.
2: Good answer anything else you want to uh comment any shout outs that you haven't made already before we let you go and we appreciate you being with us and obviously there's a bit of a time change so this is a late evening for you um but uh, anything else you want to add before you go
0: no i think you guys are doing a a great great thing like i said i was i think before we came on air here i was talking to my buddy Pasha back home he was just saying uh, how great you guys are doing and how natural it is and it's just the conversation but i also think that you guys have a platform to just impact different people, you know. And yeah, I don't think anyone's listening to me for an hour and 10 minutes, but at the same time, if it's just, you know, three or four minutes here and there, I think it's it's a great thing that uh, that you guys are promoting coaching and, and basketball and just, you know, helping people uh, uh, find their voice a little bit. I think it's, it's a great thing you're doing, and I'm really proud of you. And I think the last thing I would say is uh, people are listening out there is that uh, you guys do it. Well, I know Mitch, but I don't know Corp as well, of course, but I think Mitch does it uh, not for recognition or a high five or a like or whatever. It's, it's. I think he does it because he genuinely loves the game of basketball. He loves coaching, and you love the community. And, and I think uh, your family's lucky to have you, and and I'm lucky to have you a part of my life. So uh, best of luck to you guys with this stuff, and uh, hopefully you get a check mark or whatever it is to get verified, or whatever it is. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: man, if i'm not verified yet like come on appreciate it though man what is that uh, yeah appreciate it corbs anything before we let him go
1: no i mean again just a lot of good things to take away is you know personally selfishly for me but you know i really appreciate uh you answering my question and th- thank you for your time man
0: yeah i think it, but here's the thing is like with younger coaches it's just put yourself out there you know just put yourself out there and, and stay at it and then Make sure you love to do it because, hey, for the amount of money you get paid extra in high school, whatever it is, it's it's a pain in the butt. You know, you're not getting anything. It's you make sure you're doing it because you love it, and it's it doesn't seem like work. And like Mitch was saying, I know Mitch was recognized a couple of years ago at, at the provincial tournament, but you know he's done a great job. And I'll tell you that, you know, if he got you know a, a dollar for every extra hour he spent, he'd be a millionaire by now. But it, do it because you love it, and and you know, he gets to impact people like you and and so many others too. So, it's uh, it's a it's a great job and uh, it's also a huge responsibility too. Because there are a lot of coaches out there that might be in it for the wrong reasons or 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 just not be great with kids. But make sure that you love it. And if you ever need anything, you just hit me up.
1: Thank you.
2: Hit him in the DMs, man. That's what we would say. Wow, that's, you know I would. That's you know what, I slide one, him
0: there too. That's what,
2: that's what do did. That's what Ninth
0: Wonder did. What Ninth Wonder did. I'm not no bigs.
2: Man, ninth wonder. Unbelievable. Anyways, thanks to Gil Chung. Best of luck with the Brandon Bobcats. Uh, We love you, man. Hopefully you'll be uh, making a road trip out here next year, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Hope so. uh, We do hope for your athletes and your school's sake that uh, everybody kind of just keeps the bubble tight and that COVID kind of starts to get better and that uh, we can see some uh, Canadian athletes running around. We appreciate your time. Be well, my man. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. You bet. Thank you to our listeners. Uh, We'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks to Good Live Clothing. Everybody take care of themselves, take care of each other, and we'll talk soon.